Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A Through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today, I'm speaking with Amy Stein. Amy's mission is to educate and empower others who are suffering with physical, mental, or emotional health issues. She believes we can be our own best healers when we quiet the internal and external noise in order to hear what our bodies are telling us. Welcome, Amy. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you because your story kind of hits home for me. So I'm excited to be able to talk about this um, because I think a lot of people right now have a lot of issues with health and they're not getting the answers that they're looking for. Yeah, I, I completely agree 100%, which is why I'm trying to get my message out there. Because yeah. so I'm, I call myself the canary in the coal mine. So I'm like that first generation of people that got sick by all the environmental toxins and the additional stressors we have in this world. So I'm what you call an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. so basically, I pick up on all these different energies that other people are not aware of. And yeah. the body will give you messages. And if you don't listen to them, the messages get louder. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they got really loud and I still wasn't listening. Oh, interesting. I can't wait to dive right in. But first, we're going to start with an icebreaker question, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. If given the chance to go to any event in the world, all expenses paid, where would you want to go? Oh, that's a good one. I think that's hard. I would probably want to go. Now I'm, I'm kind of I'm conflicted. So <laughs> I'm like this is really I wasn't expecting this. This I thought it was going to be something related to my topic. I was gonna I'm gonna say that I would go back to Hawaii. We saw okay. in there. And we loved it. We were on Kauai. And mm -hmm. so I would love to get back there, but it's really expensive. And it's a long plane yeah. ride. So if you had yeah. a wand and you could send me there without doing the 12-hour plane ride with all expenses paid, I'd be there go. Yes. Maybe there one day there is going to be something like that where we can just zoom there in a minute. You can visualize yourself and you're there, right? Yeah. You just click your heels and magically you're there. Yeah. I would like that. I always wanted to go to Burning Man. I know it's like really weird but i think i like that you know what i mean there's so many interesting things so i was like man i would love to go there i don't necessarily have to partake in all the stuff <laughs> but i wouldn't mind being in that you know that environment, environment. And just, just, just watching right being yeah, yeah yeah just watching right. um <laughs> tell us about yourself a little bit about your background so basically i always had a lot of symptoms growing up as a kid and it wasn't I didn't realize what was going on until I was a medical researcher at a big university here in New York mm -hmm. and I was working with other chronic pain patients and most of the patients were geriatrics so it's a hidden population they're not seen they're not heard right so I was advocating for them because they were really frustrated that the doctors weren't seeing them they weren't listening to them and I felt like I could do that I could be their voice and <laughs> The, the part that was hard to accept is so we were trying to give them additional techniques to use rather than taking a pill because mm. a lot of times with chronic illness, it's just, here's a pill to quiet the symptoms. Yeah. And I wasn't really fully drinking that Kool-Aid of what we were teaching the patients. So I thought they weren't doing it right. And I was kind of getting frustrated thinking, well, why aren't, why is this not working? This should be working. I'm telling you all the things to do. Are you not doing them? And they would be like, no, I'm complying. I'm doing the things. It's just not enough. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't realize that until myself, I got sick. Mm. And then I was doing all the things and they weren't working. And so that's really, the, it's not the beginning of this journey, but it's kind of the most important part of the journey. Cause it's when I realized that there was something going on and that the messages from my body did not need to be quieted. Like they need to be heard and listened to. And it was really hard for me to find someone that would listen to me. Yeah. That would believe me. And so I was reliving my patient's journey, but in my late twenties where wow. they were dealing with this in their, you know, in their sixties. Right. So it was really scary. It was a really scary time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine, I can relate into at 28, I experienced some pretty significant, um, symptoms and it, it was treated at first as, oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden, oh, nah, not so mm-hmm. much. It's, it's in your head, honey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> take, this, take this antidepressant. Yes. And it really was antidepressants. And I really believe it was in the height of the, um, where you saw the, the little girl with the, with the, the, the rolly case that would go Mm -hmm. into your doctor's office and, Mm -hmm. oh, here's all these new antidepressants Mm -hmm. because yes, after seeing a neurologist and being paralyzed on one side of my body for four months, I was told it screamed depression. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, Oh, go ahead. I just, it's unreal because there's so many people that have had this similar story. My story is not unique. The length of it is maybe unique. The, how long it took me to get a diagnosis. But the more that I talk to people in this arena who've had this experience and it's mostly women mm-hmm. because we're not believed, we're not heard, we're not seen, right? It's all in our mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly women who suffer from autoimmune and these, and these similar type conditions. And a lot of times you look healthy. Yeah. So or your have, labs come back. Normal. Right. Because, right. Exactly. That was the next thing I was going to say is because labs one are based upon sick people, right? They're not based upon healthy people because when you get lab work done, you're not typically healthy. You're going to figure something out. And also a lot of times the body, it's incredibly smart. It's going to give you messages that the lab work isn't going to pick up, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to a doctor who's not running complete labs, mm-hmm. you're only getting half of the story anyway. So there's so many different variables that people don't realize you're just, you, and you can't think about it, right? Cause you're just stuck. You're, you feel awful. You want to get better. I was taught, and this was what I was taught when I was working is that the doctor knew best. Mm-hmm. If there was something wrong, you went to the doctor, they fixed you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That did not happen for me. The doctors made me sicker. I Same. got worse, right? Yep. So the medications they prescribed, I had horrible reactions to. It made me have more symptoms. It made the symptoms that I had exasperated. And every time I would tell them that, they would just say, take more medication. Yes. Or, or we'll do some experimentation. I was put on a medication that made me hear voices. Um, yes. it, sto- it stopped one of my tremors, one symptom, right. but it made all the other ones worse. I could not drive a car. Right. I felt like I was going to fall on the tile floor and mm-hmm. possibly crack my head open. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah my, my was similar in that. So one of the medications they gave me that they said I had no choice. I had to take, if I didn't take it, I was going to get worse. I was going to die it caused me to think I had a brain tumor because I would have conversations with my husband or my family. And I thought I was saying one thing and I was saying something completely opposite. Sometimes it was complete gibberish and I would be fighting with my husband that he wasn't listening to me. Right. It was like this pattern again, of not being listened to, not being heard, not being seen, not being believed. And he was like, this is not what you said. You said something completely different. So then Mm. when you tell the doctor that it's not the medication, it's you. It's you. You're crazy. Yes. We're going to make you have an MRI and a CAT scan and all Mm -hmm. these other tests. We're going to send you all these additional doctors. And, you know, I live in an area where there are a lot of doctors. I know there are some listeners that may be in areas that they're not well populated. They don't have a lot of doctors. Mm -hmm. I live in a very wealthy area. I live in an area with a lot of very well-revered doctors and they still couldn't figure it out right and that did not they didn't like that because then I was a constant reminder when I came back every three months or every month that they couldn't figure it out and I was compliant but I was asking questions and they didn't like that because I wasn't that typical patient that would just came in did what they had to do and left I wanted to ask you questions I wanted answers and if you didn't give me answers I was going to keep asking you yep and yep. so it, it became this confrontational appointment. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to go. And all I was doing was asking, I just was asking questions of why I wasn't getting better. Yeah. Was there things I could do that I wasn't doing? Right. I remember asking, can I change my diet? Can I eliminate the toxins that I'm using? Should I stop wearing deodorant? Cause it's right on my lymph nodes and it has aluminum in it. And they're like, you're going to smell. Don't stop wearing deodorant. Right. Mm-hmm. Like literally there was, there was no diet's not going to help you. You know, literally there was no, and this was 12 years ago. This wasn't, you know, this yeah. wasn't 20 years ago, 30 years ago. This was 12 years ago. Yeah. So 
at that point, there were not, not everybody had a podcast, right? I don't even think podcasts were a thing 12 years ago. No, um, I don't think so. <laughs> so the first thing was like, uh, summit started with some of the functional doctors. So the first summit I listened to was with Dr. Amy Myers and she's in Austin, Texas. I think she's still in Austin. So she did this summit with other functional doctors. And at that point, that's how I learned that there were these doctors that would run full lab panels. There were these doctors that would look at the whole picture. They would look for the root cause. They wouldn't just mm -hmm. send you to 75 other doctors and no one would talk to each other, right? This one doctor would coordinate all of your care. And I'm like, holy cow, how do I get in with a doctor like that? It's mm -hmm. revolutionary. Yeah. And so even in New York City, there wasn't a lot of functional doctors at that time that were accepting new patients. It wasn't, it was an hour and a half car ride for me to drive into the city. I could not drive. I had such bad vertigo and migraines. You know, I had bad stomach aches. I couldn't leave my bathroom for hours on end. I couldn't get out of bed, right? So like the, the fatigue was so bad, I wasn't sleeping. So my mom had to drive me to all my appointments and she would try to advocate for me. You know, yeah. could you run Lyme tests? Could you do this? Could you do that? And they would just be like, she just needs to take the medication. She'll come back when it's worse. That was always the answer. Just come back when it's worse. Yeah. Yeah. I've traveled all over. It's been 17 years for me. I still have no diagnosis and I'm fine right. with that. I'm like right. all set. <laughs> um, so I have a question. Yes. Did you ever suffer a traumatic childhood? Yes. So that's, okay. yes. So that's another part of the piece of the puzzle that no one talks about, right? So it's becoming mm -hmm. now more apparent that people are talking about the link between trauma and illness, especially autoimmune. So there's this thing called the ACEs score, which is adverse childhood events. And there's a score you can see if you had, you know, some of these adverse childhood events occur to you, you add them up. But there's also a resiliency score that you can look for that you can then subtract from your adverse child events. So even if you had an adverse child event, but you're a more resilient person, you may not have as much as an issue. So that's something Nikki Myers talks about a lot, the ACEs score. There's other, there's other specialists talking about it too, but she's kind of the pioneer with that. I'm going to write her name down. Yeah. Nikki Myers. Nikki Myers. N-I-K-K-I. -K -K -I, I think it's M-Y-E-R-S. I'm writing that down. I think she's in, she's Europe. She's in Europe. I want to say she's in England, but I'm not sure. Okay. So she was one of the first to, to talk about that. But basically, yeah, no one asked me about trauma. No one, no one talked about HSP, right, or empathic tendencies, because the sicker I got, the more sensitive I became to all these things. I couldn't, mm -hmm. couldn't be in the house with someone using cleaners. I couldn't be in a place that had mold. I couldn't be around people who had perfume on. I couldn't mm. be around people who had laundry detergent, you know, their laundry going. I couldn't do any of these things. I couldn't be around a place that there was EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, right? I couldn't yep. do any of these things. I became paralyzed. I couldn't, like just debilitated. I couldn't move, had the migraines got worse, the vertigo got worse. No one addressed that. No one talked yeah. about it. And I couldn't understand it because it was a big piece of the puzzle, but mm -hmm. no one was getting it. And it was really frustrating. So because I was a researcher, I could do my own research when my brain was functioning, which wasn't a lot of the time. Yeah. So, in that regard, I was a rarity because I would then say, hey, I did this research. Could you check this out? Yeah. Like that. I know. <laughs> I did the same stuff. I have medical books. I went to nursing school. Right. I did all that stuff because I was on my own health journey. Right. And when you go through traumatic events, what people don't realize, I've done a lot of research about empathic mm -hmm. things, is you become hardwired to yep. be an empathic person because your brain is trying to avoid the trauma that you are actually enduring. It's trying to keep you safe. So the, yes. the brain, you know, the body is really smart. It's not just the brain, it's, it's the body as a whole, right? So any trauma affects all of your systems, not just the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's only, you know, now being talked about, but everyone was like, oh, the nervous system, polyvagal theory, you know, fight or flight, freeze, rest or digest. But it's really, it affects every single system. So it mm -hmm. doesn't just affect your nervous system. The nervous system coordinates but it affects every part of your body. So if you're having all these different symptoms that people can't put together and you have childhood trauma, you know, there's a big connection there, but it's yeah. not talked about until recently, which I'm happy it's being talked about. Gabby Bernstein's uh, latest book, Happy Days, she talks about this a lot. I'm gonna write that down too. Yeah, that'd be a great resource too. 
I can actually send you a resource page that I came up with. Okay. That helps too. If you want me to do that, you can pick and choose what you want to use. Yeah. So depending on what we talk about. So (laughs) yeah. So there, there is a big component with trauma. So I was not dealing with my trauma. It was not safe for me to be in my body. Right. And a lot of people in our society don't deal with their trauma because it's not talked about. You don't feel your feelings. You push right. Down. You're supposed to just move past it, right? Right, right. You just push past it. You you push it down. It's going to hold you back. You don't need to feel your feelings. You're too sensitive. I was told that all the time as a child. You're too sensitive. Your feelings are too, you know, get hurt too much. You need to grow a thicker skin. That was the way I was designed, but no one understood that. Right. And so I was affected by things more than most people. So I felt all of the changes that were going on when more tox, you know, toxins were introduced with the EMFs, when, you know, yeah. chemicals being sprayed on the food, I was sensitive to all of that. And no one understood that I had belly aches and headaches as a kid. Right. But it was just, I wanted to get out of doing things. I didn't want to have to do things. So my parents thought I was making excuses that I didn't feel good, but my uh-huh. body was giving me signs as a child. So my first traumatic event was at age five. Mm-hmm. So that I, then I could recall in this life. So it took me 35 years to get back into my body because it did not feel safe. And the body does not want you to do things like meditate because it doesn't feel safe because subconsciously you could remember things that happened to you. And if you don't have the skill set to, to heal it and to allow it to be healed by the body, the body doesn't want you to remember it. So that it creates these protectors. So a lot of people have protectors with addiction. Right. They will do food addiction. They will do shopping addictions. They will do drug, alcohol, sugar, mm-hmm. all of these things, binge watching, social media. It's all a form of addiction. It's a way yep. to escape from your life. Yeah. But it's not healthy. Exactly. <laughs> and your body knows the difference between, you know, recreational having a glass of wine and having to have three glasses of wine every night. There is a big difference with that. The body recognizes that that's a problem, but if you don't have the skill set to deal with it and you're not in your body because it doesn't feel safe, you're not going to be able to heal it. So for me, I did not turn to drugs or alcohol. You know, I did the regular partying as a college kid, but I was the kid that had to go to bed at eight 30, even in my twenties, my friends would make fun of me because I'd be like, okay, come pick me up at, you know, 10 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed at eight o'clock. I'll get like an hour and a half nap in and then we'll be able to go out. You know, Mm. it was a joke. Everyone laughed about it. I didn't understand it, but Mm. it was my body saying, this is not for you. You're not supposed to be doing this, but I wasn't in my body because it didn't feel safe. Right. And then when I had chronic illness, that was (laughs) unavoidably, you know, I couldn't avoid it anymore. The pain, I wanted to escape from the pain. So I didn't want to be in my body. Right. Right. Pain is a symptom that something is wrong. The body's not broken. Right. We're taught the body is broken, but it's not. The body is a divine intelligence. It was designed to heal. And so when we don't listen to it, it keeps sending messages and the messages yeah. are getting louder. So yeah. I practically died until I was like, hmm, maybe so there's something before, here. <laughs> before you get into that, yeah. tell us about your first medical event that made you say something isn't right. Okay, so I was still working and I was practicing yoga for to keep in shape, right? Not for the spiritual aspect of it. That was just like, oh, I don't understand that. But I was going to stay in shape and to have something to do after work to kind of like wind down. So my knee started acting up and I'd always had bad knees and they called it like, oh, the soccer knee generation. Your kids played a lot of soccer in the 90s. So you all have soccer knees. And I was like, no, something doesn't feel right. It's really inflamed. It's really like, it hurts all the time. I can't walk sometimes after yoga. So I kept ignoring it. And then it got to the point I couldn't ignore it. So I picked a conservative orthopedist that I had worked with and I'd sent other patients to. And he gave me an MRI and he examined it and he said, you have to have surgery. And I said, do I really have to have surgery? Oh my God. You know, like yeah. I, I don't really want to do that. I can't do that. My, my job, I have to work a lot. You know, I have to drive to all these clinics on, on the Island and I have to see patients. And he was like, you need, you need to have surgery. And I said, well, what if I push the surgery? You know, my mom's going to, this was July, mm-hmm. like June or July. 
what if I push the surgery to November when my mom retires and she could drive me around and someone could take, cause he's like, you're going to need someone to take care of you. You're not going to be able to walk. You're going to be on crutches. And I said, okay, again, not taking it seriously. I went to, I went to work, I worked with, oh, at the clinic that afternoon. I went to see one of the doctors who had been in rheumatology for many, many years. And I said, Hey, can I pick your brain for a second? He said, sure. What do you got? So I said, I just met with this doctor who he knew. He's like, oh, he's very conservative. I said, yes, he told me I have to have surgery. And he looked at me and he said, if he told you, you have to have surgery, you have to have surgery. And I said, but my knee just bothers me with yoga. And I can't, he's like, but I've seen you, like you're, you're favoring that knee. It's always swollen. Did he have an MRI? I said, yeah. He said, basically my knee is shredded. My meniscus is shredded. And he said, you need to have surgery. And I said, well, and he, you know, I said, but you know who I work for. Like, I can't, I can't just take off. I'm going to be on crutches. I can't drive. My job is driving to the clinics to see the patients. Right. So I, I, I talked to my boss. We pushed it back to the holidays because that was a slower time when less patients came in. By that time, my knee was, it was done. Like I was going to physical therapy. I was wearing the brace, but I literally really couldn't walk. And mm. it was really painful. And I, I knew there was something going on. Like there's something going on now. And once I had the surgery, I was on crutches for three months. Mm. I was out of work for four months. I should have only been on crutches a few weeks, but he, I remember him telling me in the recovery room, that was a really serious surgery. You basically had knee replacement without artificial parts. And because, yeah, at 27 years old. Jeez. And I had seen other patients MRIs who had osteoarthritis, who had rheumatoid arthritis. I, I knew what to look for with all the things. And so I said, I want to see my MRI. Like, did you see anything? And he said, there was just so much going on. I couldn't really tell what was going on, but I couldn't see anything really apparent, but we need to keep an eye on what's going on. So basically after that, it was just a rapid downfall. I started breaking both feet, just walking. What? And I would, yeah, I would just break my whole metatarsal. Oh my God. And I was like, something is not right. I had been blacking out and having really bad migraines again and throwing up again at work. And I went to see my primary care doctor around the same time. And I was like, there's something going on. You need to run more tests. Like something's going on. She's like, just go to the endocrinologist and they'll run, they'll run thyroid panels and stuff. And I'm like, no, there's something else going on. Like I just, I had to have knee surgery, all this stuff. Everyone just told me you're stressed. You're just stressed. You're getting married. You just bought a house. You have a stressful job. You're just stressed. Just go on the antidepressants. And I'm like, no, you did that in high school and it got worse. I got sicker. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I don't respond well to medication. I don't want to take the medication. And that was when I knew there was something going on. Mm. But no one really took it seriously because right. my labs were not complete. And my body was displaying all the symptoms before the labs were picking it up. Right. That was what my problem always was. My labs always came back beautiful. My MRIs would show some significant um, disease matter in the brain, but they were like, ah, that could be migraine. That could be stroke. That could be early stages of the demyelinizing process, but never followed up with it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really frustrating. And it gets to the point where you just are desperate for a diagnosis, right? Like you just yeah. want a name, just give me a name. It took me, so I, so this journey has been 12 years. So it was probably the first four years that we went, I think it was like 40 specialists, right? Around, around New York state to see if we could get a diagnosis that fit, right? Cause mm-hmm. I would get a diagnosis. I would do the protocol. I would do what they told me to do. And I would get sicker. What was, was your first sick. diagnosis? I don't even remember. You don't remember? Yeah. I'm like, there's been so many. So at first they call me undifferentiated connective tissue disease. So it's basically anyone that does not fall into the boxes of lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, um, they put you in this like general category of, mm-hmm. yeah, you have connective tissue disease, your body's attacking yourself, but we don't know why. <laughs> so we're going to just give you the medication. You take it until it gets worse. And then they told me I had ankylosing spondylitis where my spine is fusing to itself, right? Which mm-hmm. is why I had such bad back pain. Your spine is fusing. And then they gave me an injectable for that, which I got really sick from. So at the worst mm-hmm. of it, 
I was 85 pounds. I kept breaking bones. I'd never broken bones in my life. Jeez. I was in double cast. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't leave the bathroom. The migraines and the vertigo were so bad. I, I couldn't even think, right? I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't speak. It was awful. And I wasn't able to make sense of it. And that was really scary to me. Cause I'm like, I have all this knowledge. And so you're like thinking like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Yeah, like I was like, I was at the point where I'm like, this is what's supposed to happen. That's supposed to happen. It got to the point where we were so desperate. We went to go see a hematologist because they thought I had a rare blood disorder. Right. So it was like, they would come up with the most archaic, rare genetic diseases because nothing fit. And then mm-hmm. the tests wouldn't back that up. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, now what? Right. So yeah. I was just a guinea pig. I was on this merry-go-round of being a guinea pig for <laughs> four and a half years, five mm-hmm. years. And it got to the point where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not yeah. going to be a guinea pig. I'm not going to be on this merry-go-round. At that point, I was with an integrative physician, but he was not doing anything any differently. He was still just running the same test. You know, he told me to do a different diet. It didn't work. I got sicker. And it was combative. It was just, I would say, you need to read this book. This explains all of my issues. Why are you not doing anything about this? Yeah. And it was, again, I went to medical school. You did not just because yeah. you a journal, right? Doesn't yeah. mean you know what better than I do. But the message is so, and I'm sure, again, not everyone may have had the experiences that you and I've had to the degree that we've had them. Right. But the message that I want to tell people is that your body is not broken. And if someone is not listening to you, you are the expert in your own body. Mm-hmm. No one else is. So I don't care if they went to medical school. I don't care how much they think they know. If something feels wrong to you, it is probably something is wrong. Yeah. And yeah. you need to listen to that gut instinct of, no, something's not right here. And it took me almost five years to get to that. Where yeah. I was like, nope, I'm done with all this. This is not working. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not getting any better. If I'm meant to die, I will die. Like, that's it. I can't do this anymore because it's exhausting. It's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausting. What did it do for your family? Did they think at any point in time that this was all in your head or you were just attention seeking? My family did that to me. Oh yeah. In the beginning, without a doubt. I mean, as a child, my parents just thought I was attention seeking, trying to get out of things. Right. And then when I had surgery. My mom was like, oh, maybe there's something going on. Right. But my husband was still like, oh, you just don't want to work. You just don't want to go. And I'm like, no, I can't physically cannot get out of bed. I, you know, you can't explain it to somebody else. Even, Mm. you know, friends, I lost so many friends because they were used to me being the person that could go out that could do all these things. And I couldn't do any of those things. I couldn't eat out at restaurants. I wasn't drinking. I had stopped drinking. I, cause I couldn't metabolize the alcohol. Yeah. I was not able to do anything. I had no energy. I couldn't make plans in advance. I couldn't do any of that stuff. So they would try to like pretend they understood, but you really, again, you don't understand it until you live it. Yeah. I tried to understand and I worked with the clients and I couldn't get it until I lived it until mm-hmm. you really experience it. So people are well-meaning and they would suggest things, but they were things they had already done, you know, months prior, years prior. So yeah, really I would hard. get this suggested. Oh, maybe you have fibromyalgia. Maybe you have this. Maybe you yeah. have that. I'm like, I wish right. I had something with a name. <laughs> right, right. And that's what I said. So I remember getting to the hematologist and just saying, just give me a name. So I have something I know that I can fight, right? Because I've been fighting this thing that's, I don't know what it is for five years and I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So his suggestion was, we'll just give you chemotherapy. We'll kill your whole immune system and hope that it grows back. Holy Lord. Yeah. And I thought I sat there and it was like an out-of-body experience. And I was like, this, this is insane. Like this, this is insane. And this was a this is a very well respected hematologist. And I I looked him square in the eye. I said, no disrespect, but I'm not that desperate. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die on my own terms. I'm not gonna die by being injected with poison when I don't have cancer. Right. So right. it got to the point where I said to my family, my husband, I said, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm, you guys want me to do it this way. I did it this way for five years, almost five years. It's not working. I'm getting worse. I'm not getting better. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm going to do my own. I'm going to do my own thing, whatever that will be. I'll guinea pig myself. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's how I ended up doing it. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to take this into my own hands. My last diagnosis from a, from a uh, neurologist was maybe you're getting, I was 35, by the way. Maybe you're just getting like what old people get. You're just, you're just breaking down sooner than others. And I thought I'm right. not even 40 yet. Right. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had, I had a similar experience to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I was like around the same age. I was a little younger than that. And they said that to me. And I was like, how could you say that to somebody and actually feel okay saying that? Yeah. Well, yeah. and my, my, my guy in Tampa had his iPad where I could see the Google searches that I had done. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's wow. the thing. It just gets to the point where looking back on it, we can laugh, right? But yeah. when you're moving it. Yeah. When so you're demoralizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so scary. No one is listening to you. You're not being seen. You're not being heard. You're not being believed, yeah. which then brought back all of my trauma from a child of telling the story of what happened to me, not being seen, not being heard, not being believed. So the trauma creates more stress. And did then you, you're did you ever it. think to yourself, like, maybe I am crazy. I've done that a few oh, times. Yeah. I like, like, maybe I am crazy. How can you not, right? Yeah. How can you not when, when you're going to all these specialists who are, you know, the top in their field and they're telling you they can't find anything. Yeah. You begin to think you're crazy. But then I would have psych evals and they're like, you're the most sane person we know. I'm like, I don't see how that's possible because yeah. if I live through this, how can I be sane? Like, how, how is this possible? Right. And so you have these times where you're like, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. You know, people ask me like, how did you keep doing it? You have no choice. Yeah. I was just going to say you, you either go, well, maybe I'll have a stroke in my sleep and I'll be out the door or right. I woke right. up today. <laughs> I woke up and I got to deal with it for another day. And so, yes. you know, you just, it's that, con it's not even a conscious choice. It's just no. like, it becomes your life. It's your whole life. And you can't, you have nothing else to talk about. You have nothing else to focus on because it's your whole life mm -hmm. and it becomes a full-time job managing your health. Mm -hmm. And so you know, to keep this not seven hours long, I would like <laughs> to say, because it could go for seven hours, I'm not going to see anyone will listen to it, but is that there is, there are other ways, right? It might get worse before it gets better. Yeah. But yeah. there are other ways. So for me, when I was at rock bottom, again, like I thought I'd already hit rock bottom. And then I was like, oh, nope. Still could still go a little lower. Guess I'm still not rock bottom yet. Oh, oh, now I am. Okay, here we are. Okay, is this the bottom? I think this is the bottom. I think this is the bottom. So it got to the point. So my grand had just passed. I was very close with her. And she basically had said to me, like, you can't give up. And I was like, well, you can't give up. If, I'm, if you're telling me I can't give up, you can't give up. And so my parents were going through her stuff. And my dad found one of her old books. It was about using plants for medicine. Hmm. And he said, yeah, right. Like, hmm, what's that about? So my dad said, hey, we found this book. Do you, it was your grams. Do you want to, do you want it? We're going through her stuff. And I said, yeah, I think there's something there. I think I'm going to look at that. So because what nobody talks about is that plants have been used for medicine for 5,000 years. Yeah. Indigenous medicine, Ayurveda traditional Chinese medicine. These are things before science proved them or could prove them or wanted to prove them have been used for 5,000 years. There's a reason because it works. Yeah. And it but was like, big pharma money. doesn't want you to know that. Right. They can't make money off There's of that. too much money in sick yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killing people. They can't make money off of that. So it was crazy. And so I started, what was interesting is, so when you're on the right path, which is also, I want to, uh, re reiterate for people. Yeah. So it's hard sometimes to know when you're on the right path, right? When you're stuck in this tunnel vision of frustration and demoralization and not knowing where to turn, who to go to, who's going to listen to you, who's going to believe you. It, when you're on this path, when you start going in the right direction, you'll get more signs in that direction to lead you like, Hey, this is the right path. Like, Hey, you're on the golden brick road. Stay on this path. Good things mm -hmm. will keep happening. So for me, I was still doing yoga, but it was like, you know, not a real yoga practice. I couldn't get off the floor. So I was doing modified chair yoga. I had a great yoga instructor and she would work with me and I never felt ostracized in the class. 
And so she would talk to me after class and she saw how much I was struggling, all the work I was doing. And I remember her telling me one day, you know, it's okay if you surrender this up. And I said, well, what does that mean? Like, I'm not spiritual, I'm not religious. I don't know what that means. It means to give up, right? Like, so you're telling me just to give up, to stop fighting. She said, no, it means to ask for help from something that's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And I, that was like a novel concept because you can't see that, right? Right. You can't see that. But for me, how I could see it was in mother nature. So the plants are there, but I didn't necessarily create them, right? There are things that grow that people call weeds that are more nutritional benefit than anything yeah. I can cultivate. Yeah. They were put there by mother nature, something bigger than me, right? I don't- Roundup keeps killing them. Exactly. <laughs> killing us killing us but that's okay yes. you know we make money off that but you know so there's all these things that are bigger than us that exist that we didn't have nothing we didn't create right there's something bigger than us whatever you want to call it universe god mother gaia you know that's how i resonate is mother gaia that created all of this yeah. and so if i could surrender that to something that i could identify with that resonates with me and ask for help maybe things will be a little bit different Right. So I just went with that idea, you know, I didn't accept it right away. Cause again, a scientist, I have to see it to believe it. So with the plant medicine book showing up, that was kind of like that path. Mm -hmm. And then all of the emails I was getting the next few months were all about plant medicine summits. They were free mm. herbalism trainings. They were, you know, new herbalism books that were coming out. And I was like, oh, there's, there's something to this. Mm -hmm. So I, that was the route then I started to take. And I started to make my own plant medicine, right? I made my own tinctures. I made my own infused oils for the symptoms I was having. And I was able to treat it all with products that I made. Not to, I'm not telling everybody they have to do that, right? You don't have to do right. that. I did it because it was cheaper. And right. I could control what was in it because I had so many sensitivities. So I could control exactly what was in it. I could watch it myself. I could make sure there was no mold, all of those things. Yeah. And then that evolved into the energy medicine. So again, because it was like, oh, I can't see this. How do I know it's real? Right. But it's been around again for 5,000 years with Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, indigenous medicine, all energy work. So when I started shifting my idea of what healing could look like, it doesn't need to be a pill that I go to get from the pharmacy. It doesn't need to be a doctor that makes me do their protocol. Right. Healing can look different to, to different people. Right. And it can be different for different people. And there's nothing wrong with that because we're all unique and we all respond differently. So what may responded for me, what worked for me may not work for you. Right. And that's okay. Right. There's nothing that says it has to be that way. We just, that's what we're taught. That yeah, that we're way. taught that there is a pill for every illness and we must yep. take that pill to fix us. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so the more I studied plant medicine and energy medicine, the less foreign it seemed and the more answers I got mm. that felt right. And then I was able to swallow that surrender is not a dirty word. I was right. able to open, right? I was able to be open to like, Hey, there's something bigger than me that I can ask for help with. There's something, you know, there's something else out there that I can try that I haven't done yet. And so then I started doing Donna Eden's energy routine. I started doing Qigong. I started manipulating my energy in a way that was beneficial for mm -hmm. my own healing. So it was radical, right? It was like a radical idea. The doctors were like, that's crazy. You're a and nut. <laughs> yeah. And at this time I had found a functional doctor and she was the first doctor who did believe me. Oh. She did list. Yeah, it was. I know it was crazy, right? Like, oh, I'm actually being believed. I'm being seen. I'm being heard, and it was transformative. And in that, I was able to then branch out into other things. And I would tell her, I'm gonna, you know, I'm looking to this homeopathy thing. She was like, all right, let me know how it goes. And I said, I'm, you know, again, she had a set protocol of what she thought we needed to do, and I would do it, and I didn't get better. Right. So I said, I'm, not, I'm gonna try my own thing first. And she was not threatened by me saying, I'm going to go home and do my own thing. And I'll let you know if I'm going to try your thing. See, and that's a good, that's a good standpoint to take because yeah. each patient, we're the only people inside of our bodies. Our doctor's right. not in there. They just know right. what we're telling us. 
right. or telling them, I'm sorry. And they know from past experience what might have worked mm-hmm. with other people, right? But there are some people that are not going to respond to the general protocols. I did not. The protocols for mold, I got sicker. The protocols for, you know, mold remediation, for mast cell activation, I got sicker from the, the normal protocols. I had to go and pave the way and find my own protocol. That doesn't mean that that's going to be how it is for everybody. That's just the way it was for me. Right. You know, and there was a lesson there for me to then help other people and to learn, hey, it's not always going to work the first time. Right. right. And, and to surrender that expectation because you you get to the point where every time you see a new doctor, you hope they can fix you. They, it's so true. It's so true. Hope and pray, even if you don't verbalize it, even if you don't say it aloud, there is a part of you that's still looking to be fixed. Yeah. And unfortunately that gives your power away, which I didn't realize. Because yeah, I wouldn't have thought of, of it that way either, but yeah, right. you are so desperate. I had my iris detach and a, right. um, what are they called? The ophthalmologist yes. was like, yeah, right. When I first went in there and then he saw it and was like, holy crap, was that painful? And I was like, dude, totally yeah. painful. Right. And he's like, well, you have an autoimmune disorder, either something like lupus that mm-hmm. did this to you go see mm-hmm. a doctor. So I get all my medical records. I go rushing off to a, a general doctor. And you know what he said to me? You just need a good pap smear. What? Yeah. <laughs> we went from my eye to my vagina. <laughs> I can't even. And that, you know, uh, I can't even, when I was telling my gynecologist all the things that were happening to me when I was in my early twenties, he's like, you just have a menopausal vagina. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. You tell yeah. people that at 26. And what does that do to your self-esteem, Amy? That's what I'm saying. Right. It just, it, it, it makes you believe <laughs> that you don't, you're crazy and that yeah. you don't know your own body. And yeah. unfortunately that's the, that's a paradigm that Western medicine promotes mm-hmm. is that the doctor is the expert. We wear the lab coat. We went to medical school. We know your body better than you. And that was, I listen, I believe that hook, line and sinker. I preach that to my patients. Nope. Mm-hmm. I, you're trying, but you must not be trying enough. And then the universe was like, oh, you want to preach that? We're going to show you what it's like. And yeah. that's, what that's what I got. Exactly. And it took, you know, a very long time for me to break that, to shift that. And it's not to say that I don't still contend with things, right? And I don't say I'm 100% healed. I say I reversed a lot of things. I say that I took my power back. I recognize that I get to choose what's best for me. Right. You get to choose what's best for you. And the other person gets to choose what's best for them as well. I'm not going to ever tell somebody what I think is best for them. Right. Who am I to do that? Right. Who am I to do that? They've been told that their whole journey as it is. I'm not going to reiterate that fact. So what I do for people in the sessions that I do is I affirm that they are seen, they are heard, and they are believed, and that they get to choose what's best for them. Whatever that, means, that may be. That means a lot to a sick person. Yeah. I mean, that could be they want to stay with Western medicine. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. They want to try something else. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do anything. That's their choice. Yep. So what differences has it made in your life um, doing plant medicine? It's huge. It's huge. I mean, so when, when I first started doing plant medicine, I was like, is this really going to work? <laughs> like I have all these things growing in my yard. I've been gardening since I was a little kid with my parents and my, my grandparents. Is this really going to make a difference? And I was fascinated the more I learned on basically how every single plant weeds included, and then some all have medicinal abilities mm-hmm. to rebalance the body mm-hmm. naturally without side effects, without additional illness, not to say that you have to be able to properly identify, right? So I teach people how to forage, but you have to be able to properly identify and know the proper dosage. Yeah. But it's free. Yeah. A lot of it is free and you can make it yourself and it will not cause the side effects that, you know, the pharmaceuticals are going to cause. Yeah. You're not going to get your quick fix because there is no magic pill. Right. But energy medicine is magic because people don't understand. They like, I don't understand. I didn't see anything happen, but it worked. Yeah. That's energy medicine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. It's just, even if you don't believe it, it's still going to work. Exactly. So that's why I, I lead a lot of people the homeopathy route because there are no side effects. If they choose to stay on pharmaceuticals, there are no drug interactions and it's really gentle. Cause some plant medicine, it can be, it can be a little, 
can be a little abrasive at times. Yeah. So you have to, you have to work with someone who really knows what they're doing. It's not. So again, I guinea pig myself. Do I recommend doing that? No, because you have to really understand and know things, right? So I read a lot of books, use what is available to you. The library is free. So I got a ton of books out from the library. My husband would pick them up on his way home. I would read. I mean, literally, I'm always reading 30 different books. And still to this day, because I, I like reading and I like education. And it's right. a form of empowering yourself. You can read these books. You can understand. There's a lot of functional doctors who write books as well. You can. This is how I found out about new things and new protocols and what worked for other people and what didn't. And so there's a lot of things within your own control that you can do. So when I full-fledged went into plant medicine, right? So I made all of my own tinctures, all my own herbal products, you know, all my own personal care products, all of that. You don't have to do that. There's products out there now that are cleaner, but there is a lot of greenwashing. So you want to mm -hmm. be cautious with that, right? So big companies buy up these smaller natural yeah. companies and they change the ingredients because it's either cheaper or they really don't care. They don't want it to be natural. Well, they're, and they're trying to follow the trends because- yeah vegan is in right now so they're going to slap the word vegan on everything to oh, try to yeah. make a sale but oh, i bet natural. you if yeah. you look at the ingredients you can't pronounce some of it right and that's <laughs> Which, my other right that's my other tip is learn how to read labels yeah so if you're not going to make your own products learn how to read labels so whatever goes in and on your body so that's food personal care products that's cleaning products that's your laundry detergent all of that Learn how to read products, labels, because if you can't pronounce something, it's probably not good for you. Right. So right. The, the, the few things that I buy that are commercially made, I'm constantly checking them on the environmental working group because mm. formulas constantly change, especially now with shortages. So you have to be aware of what's going on and what your skin is your largest organ. And we live in a toxic world as it is. And if you're someone who's sensitive, like Nicole and I are, you're going to pick up on these things before other people. My husband thought I was just crazy because he wasn't affected by any of it. It took him right. 10 years to get affected by it. So now he's having issues, right? Oh. But he's ahead of, yeah, but he's ahead of the curve because he has me. Right. <laughs> so if he listens to me, he'll be fine, but he doesn't want to listen to me. So he's struggling. Yeah. Right? So again, these are all invitations. They're not I mean, for me, they're hard and fast rules, but they're imitations for anyone in the audience. But these are things that you can do to manage, even if you're not sick yet, even if, you know, you just feel stressed out. Stress causes a lot of disease and, and it creates trauma. So trauma is the event. The trauma is the reaction to a stressful event by the body. So your body was designed to clear trauma, but if you're not letting it do what it was supposed to do by feeling your feelings and allowing things to move through, and process them in the appropriate way, you're gonna create trauma in the body. Yep. So if you watch animals, like my dog, when she gets upset, she calms down, she shakes it all off. That's her body processing the trauma, mm -hmm. the stressor, the reaction to the stressor. We don't do that. No, we try to push it to the back of our minds or right. ignore it or whatever. Or you your, right. You hold your breath to not feel your sensations or your feelings, right? How many people hold their breath and don't even realize it? Well, you know, and I realized most of us now, instead of breathing through our nose, breathe through our mouth. Mm -hmm. Which causes and more stress in the system. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so like they say on Stranger Things, don't be a mouth breather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you might not even, even if you don't think you're doing it during the day, you might be doing it at night. And yep. that's when your body is healing. It's running all its healing processes at night. So it's really important to get good sleep. And with chronic illness, you're not getting good sleep. Right. So you need to figure out ways to maximize that, right? So for us, there is no TV in our bedroom. There is no blue light. Our phones are on the other side of the house. Our router is turned off. That's it. It goes, it's in sleep mode. You could put a Christmas timer on it from 10 o'clock to six o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning, whatever that is. Give your body that time to heal without being interrupted by additional frequencies and toxins that are causing more stress to the body. Like yeah. even if, again, if, even if you're not feeling anything because your body is feeling it, mm -hmm. even if you're not feeling it, your body is feeling it. Your body was designed to only handle a certain amount of toxic load. And we have far surpassed that in the society we live in. Oh, definitely. And I think that um, 
generations since technology and since the different ways how we ma manufacture and grow foods and things mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. um, they're born into it. Food, what people call food, which is actually not real food. I was just going to say, what year were you born, if you don't mind me asking? I was born in 1982, so I'll be 40 in October. So you were you were still in this world when food was still healthy, right? Um, I come from the dairy land. So for me, I did not get exposed to the, the, the injected chickens and meats yeah. and stuff like that and the vegetables being different until I moved out of state and moved to a bigger city. I think that compared to today, yes, I, I ate a cleaner diet compared to what today's diet is with the antibiotics and all the hormones and all the right. toxins, but we still eat a lot of prepackaged food, which is mm. not real food. Okay. So, you know, we, you know, we had our fruit roll-ups and we had our cookies and Teddy grams and all that crap. Like that was, you know, my, I got a can of soda in lunch every day. Like oh. that, yeah. So that. I don't, I don't think that, you know, I wasn't, we, you know, we had salad with dinner every night, but we had breaded chicken cutlets and mm -hmm. I had stomach aches because I had celiac, but it wasn't a diagnosed thing then. Right. So like, right. even though we thought, I'm sure compared to today, I ate less prepackaged food, but we still did eat prepackaged food. We still were eating commercial salad dressings and things like that. Right. So it's, again, it's not perfect. You're, I'm not going to vilify my parents. They did the best they could. Right. Well, they were they both working parents? Yes. I was going to say yeah. both my parents worked full time. They both traveled for work. So I didn't, you know, um, it, it was what they could do. And, and still that's, that's now mm -hmm. both parents work. Right. Yep. And it's a lot. And so people go for convenience prepackaged foods, but there are, there is no nutritional value to that. And right. you're seeing that with the, the epidemic of obesity. You're seeing that with the epidemic of autoimmune. You're seeing that with all these issues that people have, especially the kids, mm -hmm. is because they're not eating real food. Like mm -hmm. to me, I have neighbors who they think it's crazy I grow my food when, when we can, right? Because I live in yeah. a northern climate. So we grow six months out of the year, if we're lucky, when we're not in a drought for three weeks. So <laughs> yeah. you know, oh again, God. like there are things beyond your control, but they think right. it's crazy that I don't just go to the supermarket and buy my food or that I have a farmer who butchers their meat and I buy their meat there. They think that's inhumane. No, and, that's right. smart. Mm. Right. And I said, but I know exactly what those animals ate and how they were treated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm not ingesting additional toxins. Those animals were not slaughtered in a slaughterhouse. They did not have trauma at the time of slaughtering. Mm -hmm. They were fed organic, real food during their lives and they lived a happy, peaceful life. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna buy that food over the food in the grocery store that I don't know where it came from. I don't know what it was fed. I don't know what it was injected with. And I know that they were tortured at the end of their life. You know, so it's all energy. So you're mm -hmm. you're ingesting that in everything yeah. you do. Yep. What you visually watch, what you visually ingest, what you ingest with, you know, food-wise and-, and Yes, there is a such thing as nutritious content. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't watch anything that's disturbing. Mm. I don't watch the news. I don't either. Because it's all negative. Yeah. And why am I going to put more negativity on my body who's already in such a negative, you know, in the world we live in, right? I don't, yeah. need, I don't need to have more negative. I don't go on social media. I'm very limited with what I do. I, you know, I use it to educate other people. Right. Use it but, as a tool like it was meant right. to be. But I don't right. use it. I don't use it as a form of uh, entertainment. So you're not in the group of people that get incensed over every little comment people make and yeah. start arguments and things like that. I don't read exactly. Any comments. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't even read like I have to read my own comments on my own page. <laughs> and I like, you know, that takes a lot, right? So I have a YouTube channel and a Facebook channel. People post comments. And if people make comments that I think are not nice, I just don't respond to them. Good for right? you. But if somebody's yeah. actually asking a genuine question, right? So everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but you don't need to be, you don't need to be rude about it. Right. Right. So you don't know. I don't know your experience. You don't know mine. Right. Right. We you could still respect each other. And so because you and I are unhealthy people, we really pay attention to managing our stress levels because exactly. your stress level is going to throw everything off. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's going to contribute to more illness. And so mm -hmm. I'm really mindful of who's in my life, yeah. who I spend time with, where I go. 
You know, I'm, I'm very, very aware of that because I didn't understand that when I, as a kid where I didn't want to be around certain people, I understand that now. And yeah, there are some people I can't avoid that. I don't like their energy. Right. But I do the best that I can to mitigate those circumstances and not be in those circumstances for a long period of time. So as, as the journey evolves, you learn, Mm -hmm. and that's the whole point of being here. We chose to be humans in this time to learn. That's the whole point. And yep. when there's this disconnect in our society that more emphasis is put on the mind and logic and not the body, the mind is just part of the body. It does not know everything. And right. a lot of times it gets you into trouble where the body, if you go by your gut instinct, I guarantee that you're going to get in a lot less trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes, highly. And women have a deeper intuition in their yes. guts than, than boys do. And I think that's because we're mothers. Yes. It's a second chakra too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just more, and especially empathic people, their second chakra mm-hmm. is more evolved too. Yes. So it's just something that you, you could always constantly be evolving and learning ways to live a healthier, more regulated lifestyle, even in the chaotic world that we live in. Yeah. So you don't have to engage in a lot of this stuff. Exactly. You can choose where to put your attention. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. If something upsets you, like during the pandemic, especially when people were just running the news channels and, and watching the news on the Facebooks and all this, I was literally watching what I thought were sane people at one point pre-pandemic to almost developing like a mental illness over the news and what was being said and fed to their brain. And so I was like, dudes, get off the news. It's, I live, I say this, ignorance is bliss. I don't want to know. I'll find out when the end of the world comes, I'm sure I'll figure it out. Well, you need to know, you'll know, right? Someone will tell you what, that's the same thing. Like, and I don't think it's, it's being ignorance is bliss. I think it's being mindful of what is safe for your nervous system. Yeah. And yes. what you can tolerate, right? It's having healthy boundaries. You have yeah. healthy boundaries around that for your own well-being. If more people had healthy boundaries around their own well-being, the world would be a much nicer place. Truly. I think too, yeah. I don't get sucked into yeah. all this stuff, all the right. noise, like you said. There's right. outside noise and then there's the, the you know. Yeah. And we don't pay attention to ourselves. Right. And then people go, well, if you pay attention to yourself, then you're selfish. selfish. No, no. no. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is about making you the healthiest person that you can be so that you can be a productive Mm -hmm. individual in society who does not hurt other people, who Mm -hmm. has healthy boundaries and helps to share your gifts, right? Mm -hmm. We all have gifts to share. Everyone is unique. And if the more that you're sucked into this negative feedback loop, the more everyone suffers because then we all don't get the beauty of your gifts of what you have to offer. Right. So true. I could look at this journey. You could look at your own journey as being this negative, awful, traumatizing event. Right. That defined you. Yeah. Or you could do it like we're doing, making lemons out of lemonade and using the journey that we know know is just part of the experience that we had that makes us who we are. So now we could share our gifts to help other people. Exactly. Exactly. Do you offer a program, Amy? And tell us about it. So I do one-on-one and group. It's called Mind, Body, Breath, um, Spirit Sessions. And what that is, is there's always a breath component. I'm a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator. And I combine energy medicine and plant medicine and, you know, all the things we've been talking about into these sessions. So there's half hour individual sessions, half hour group sessions, hour individual, hour group sessions. The half hours are just strictly breath, right? If you want to do more than just breath, then you would book an hour session. And that involves, you know, we talk about lifestyle changes. We talk about anything that is your, is you want to address at that time. And we do it first by getting into the body with a breath practice. It's individualized to each person and their needs, and it's different every time. Mm. But the, we don't go into it with an agenda because the body knows what's safe to be moved and cleared and knows how to do it as long as we allow it to do it. So we don't go into it saying, I'm going to adjust when I was five years old. What happened? The body's like, nope, you're not ready. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. And if you're not in the body, the body's like, you're not ready. It's not going to happen. The body knows when you're online. Oh, now you're ready. Right. Now you're in the body. Now we can do some healing. So 
that's that's the way that it works the one-on-one -on -one in the group they can send me a message to my facebook group for a free 10-minute discovery call to see if we're a good fit and that's amy the amateur herbalist and they can check out the youtube channel as well with the foraging videos and gardening videos nice so how important to good health is breathing it's so important because people don't breathe enough mm -hmm. <laughs> or they breathe too much and so what I was going to ask if you could do for us just for a few seconds, minutes, whatever, is to give a small tutorial on how to breathe properly. Right. So that's a great question. So it's, breath work is intentional breathing. And so a lot of people don't breathe properly because when they breathe in, they don't inflate the belly. So if you watch a baby, the common thing is you watch a baby breathe, the baby breathes in, the belly rises up baby breathes out, the belly contracts, right? This diaphragm moving. A lot of people breathe so shallowly that they don't ever inflate the belly or we're taught we don't want to have a belly as women, right? Yeah, really, suck it in. Healthy. Yeah, it's not healthy. And so there's, you can intentionally alter your breath in different patterns to achieve different results in the body. So the way that I do it is I do very slow, non-activating breath, but you could do activating breath and that can, energize you it can clear some stuck energy if i do that with people i do it for very short durations like a minute or two minutes because if they have trauma and you do activating breath it can cause more trauma mm, okay so it's really important if you're going to do breath work to do it with somebody who is trauma informed so that you don't create more trauma and that less is more Right. So we're taught like, oh, something worked. Let's do it more now. <laughs> well, they say, and I go by this, not all good things are a good thing. Exactly. Or too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing is not it's always not a good, good thing. thing. Right. Yes. And again, the personal, everything is, is unique to that person. Right. So what may work for me may not work for you. What breath pattern I go to, you may not like, or it may, again, my practice is different every single day. Right. So it's dependent on what my body needs that day. So I've been having a lot of allergies. So I've been doing a lot of more activating breath to clear my head so I can think and I don't feel so stuffy, right? So there, there are so many different ways that you can use breath. You know, it's become popular with William Hoff and, and other people, but it's really important that you listen to your body. That's mm -hmm. the whole premise of breath work is to get into the body and so you really get into the body in a way i had a, a traumatic um fall in 2020 mm -hmm. during the height of the pandemic and right. i broke and shattered my ankle Oops. and i had to have surgery right. and i stumbled across some article about proper breathing and i was like wait a minute and healing mm -hmm. and i was like let me try this so i pulled up some youtube videos found mm -hmm. some that worked for me and right. started doing um breath work to heal the bone and you had yep. to push you had to breathe in push the air down to that yeah visualize it going to that area visualize it and i did this for 10 minutes every day right i healed three months faster right and it made me realize a that i wasn't breathing properly mm -hmm. b that I could clear my mind and just concentrate on my body. It made me feel more in touch with my, my whole body. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think, I think we're so busy and there's so much noise with all yeah. the electronics and all yeah. the stuff that we have to run around and do. We've lost sight of that. And everyone's in their mind. No one's in their body. And that's why I always start the session with breath work so that you're, you're in a place that you're empowered, you're relaxed and you're in in your body so you can be open to what your body needs so when i ask you a question you're not answering with your mind you're answering with your intuition mm. so with doing breath work you heighten your intuition you heighten your connection to source spirit archangels mother gaia whoever allah whoever you connect with right right so we don't do that enough no one teaches you that and it's mm -hmm. great for people who can't meditate because i couldn't meditate because my body didn't want me to remember the trauma mm -hmm. so breath work is a safe way to do it you still achieve that meditative feeling, that meditative space in a safe way that you don't cause more trauma to the body and the body goes, okay, it's safe for us to do this. Right. And then when you're in that space and the body knows it's safe, it can start releasing all of the stuck trauma, right. all of the stuck energy, and you can be less triggered by things that normally 
piss you off, right? You, you'll be less triggered by it. You'll be, you'll be a calmer. You'll, yeah. You know, I say there, I don't want to, you know, I say, I still want to kill my husband at times because he's my husband, <laughs> but I don't want to kill him 24 seven anymore. Right. So, but you right. can also use breath work to escape out of the body. And I did that too. I was using it to escape out of the pain and I didn't realize I was doing it until I would land back in my body and it would be worse. And I'm like, what happened? And it wasn't until I did this training where I realized I was doing that. I was using it as an escape. So it's, again, it can still be manipulated and used as spiritual bypassing. Mm. Any of these things can, right? They're all, they're all intended for beneficial use. But again, you want to work with somebody who's done the work on themselves, who's done the journey and who has the training to support you and can hold the space for you where it's safe. And it took me 35 years to find someone like that. And that person, I still work with her to this day because she makes me feel safe. And I know she's got me right really important in healing. You can't do it by yourself. It's not linear. There are lots of ups and downs and you need to be, you need to be held. So you can concentrate on doing the healing. You can't do it all yourself. Believe me. I tried, I got the t-shirt and I tried and it's important. Yeah, exactly. So tell us um, what it's like for you now, health wise. I mean, mentally, physically, where are you at as compared to 12 years ago? It's like night and day. It literally is night and day. So I no longer look outside of myself for the answers. It's not to say that I don't bypass some of my body's messages. I still do. I'm human, right? Like right. that's never going to change. I'm not, I'm not that evolved. I'm still human. So, but now I know that the messages my body is sending me is for a reason. It's not because I'm broken. Right. It's because it's trying to get my attention. It's trying to let me know there's something that needs to be addressed before it gets worse. And I respect that intelligence now. Yeah. I also respect that I get to choose what's best for me and that I can listen to other people, but anyone that I invite into part as part of my care has to earn their place there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? No, I think we talked so much. <laughs> And you know what? You were so awesome. I didn't even have to ask half my questions. Because <laughs> oh, my craft, we have more questions. I talked way too much. <laughs> no, no, it was great. It was great. And where can people find you? So the Facebook page is the best place, but I can also okay. send you the uh, website that I created, which explains like the one-on-ones in the group. The awesome. group sessions, how that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I'm going to include all that in the show notes so that everybody can find you. Amy, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. I almost want to have you on again. Thanks, Nicole. You're welcome. Thanks. It was great. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. If you like this and other episodes, please click subscribe, like, and share so others can enjoy them too. Thank you so much for listening.